When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. So now from the 13, it's third and goal. Brady sets up the screen. James White, the 10, the 5, touchdown. There is a number of teams in this field right now who are ready to court Tom Brady. And he's never had that. Like, he's he's never experienced this where he truly, you know, I'm sure the fans of New England and, and Bill Belichick and Kraft have, like, made him feel appreciated, probably the fans the most. Yeah. But he's never been sought after like this. He's never been courted like this where teams will just... This is recruiting all over again for the number one recruit in the nation. And every team going... Come to us, and this is what we can offer. I still, I still think we're sorely mistaken, though, if we think that he's just doing this for the oh, attention. This is very, very real. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels here. What is going on, Sage? Uh, not much. Enjoying a beautiful sun. Or I'm sorry, beautiful Wednesday afternoon uh, before I pick up my kids from school. So a nice and sunny spring is definitely in the air. Yeah. Uh, next week, I'm going on a little vacation for the first couple days, and I was looking at the weekend here, and I see 57 and 64 for Sunday here. So of course. When it gets to 60 degrees here, I'll be out of town. So that's fantastic. Um, Sage, I want to start out with, we played a couple of sound bites there with Tom Brady. But the sound bite that Jonathan didn't have is the most important one. It's the scene where the shark gets jumped. What, what show was that? Where, where the, the phrase jumping the shark comes from? Someone can help me out on Twitter. I have no idea what you're talking about. You've heard that before when something I've, has jumped the shark, right? I, I've heard that phrase, but it's one of those phrases I never knew where it came from. Okay, or, I'll get this. You know. it, it comes from a show. Was it... I'll, I'll get Sharknado? That. Happy Days was the show. Okay, yeah, not Sharknado, which Tom Compton was in, by the way. Uh, it comes from Happy Days, and they got to a point where Henry Winkler actually jumps over a shark. And wow. it was where Happy Days, I guess, kind of went over the edge to being ridiculous, and they started calling it Jumping the Shark. Okay? Well, you know, you learn something every day. Since you brought up Harry Winkler, uh, I know you're a big BoJack Horseman fan. Yeah, so he's Bar- in it. Barry is a show uh, that I've gotten into, and uh, and and he, Henry Winkler is an, uh, one of the main actors, uh, probably the mm, like the third main actor, maybe. Mm, that's funny. Uh, in he this shows show. up in BoJack too. It's it's great. It's about um, it's about a basically a professional hitman 
uh, who decides he wants to be an actor, and, and Winkler is the like acting teacher uh, in like the Valley of, of Hollywood or something like that. And of course, everything is about Winkler. It's like it's just, it's just hilarious uh, show. So it's one of these dark comedies, sort of like BoJack Horseman. Yeah, and uh, Henry Winkler is also in Parks and Rec, where he plays a dentist. Um, whose kids are completely out of control. But none of this has anything to do with Tom Brady. But let me tie the two together. Tom Brady to the 49ers rumors is Henry Winkler jumping the shark. It's too much for me. I'm putting it on pause. I can't do this anymore. That, that there have been conversations now about, uh, this comes from Nesson in Boston, about the possibility of Tom Brady going to San Francisco and I am just done. I can't do this. I just need to know where he's going to sign or if he's going to go back to New England. There was another report that he talked to Bill Belichick today and it wasn't productive or something like that. I just need to know so then we can start to figure out where everybody else is going because this could Brady go here? Could Brady go there? Could he go to a team that already has a quarterback that took him to the Super Bowl and was up 20 to 10 late in the fourth quarter. I mean, really? Would you, would you really do that, San Francisco? That seems to me like just we've reached the point of insanity. Well, Tom Brady came into the league in 2000. He's been in the league for 19 years, and he's been in nine Super Bowls. All right. How many times have we seen it where a team that got to the Super Bowl didn't even make the playoffs the next year? It actually it does it happens, happen. Yeah. It seems like all the time. It seems like just about every year, every other year, happened to the Rams. Um, it, it's uh, happened to, I believe, the Falcons after Shanahan left. It happens very regularly. And uh, so the chances of them getting back with that running game, with that defense, everything being just right. And, you know, they were the number one seed this year, but it literally came down to inches in that uh, game against that Week 17 game against Seattle. So, you know, the difference between number one seed and number five seed was almost nothing this year in the NFC. So what gives you a better chance to get back to that spot? I, I think Tom Brady is an, up, uh, is an upgrade. It's a different quarterback. It's a different – he's not as athletic, uh, probably less bootlegs and things like that. Um, but a guy who has been there so many times, and I think of all coaches, Kyle Shanahan, he would find a way to, to simplify – uh, to, to make it easy for Tom and also add some of the things that Tom wants to do, maybe give more control on, on audibling and things like that because Tom's uh, such a great wealth of experience. But if I'm Tom Brady, that football team is a better football team. It really is. It's, it's also like his hometown. I mean, he grew up like 30 miles uh, from Santa Clara where they'll be playing. So, uh, you know, what a, what a way to end her career that had the opportunity to go to where you grew up, and it's maybe the, the best or one of the top two or three rosters in the NFL, uh, and also maybe get away from Bill Belichick. I, I, I mean, I heard a, a great story that I'm not going to share on the air, but I'll, maybe I'll share with you sometime, uh, Matthew. Uh, and maybe I shared it when I was up there the other day, but, you know, uh, there is... You did. Uh, there, is, there is absolute challenges, I believe, uh, and between Belichick and Brady. It's amazing. It's probably the greatest coach of all time and maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. But I know there is friction there, and they haven't always gotten along in the past. They're different personalities, and it's worked great. They found a way to, to win a ton, and there's I think there's mutual respect there. Uh, but uh, I you know I I wouldn't be surprised 
of all places. It's just sort of the perfect location for Tom. I mean, Tennessee makes sense in some ways, but you know, going back home and, and on a, a, a better football team um, with all types of weapons around him and a great defense. I mean, he doesn't even have to be amazing. He doesn't have to be, uh, you know, Peyton Manning and throw 55 touchdown passes. If I'm Tom Brady, I am seriously looking at this. And if I'm San Francisco, I am seriously looking at this too because there's nothing like playoff experience and, 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 and Tom's hit that home run ball and, and sort of the game winner uh, and made those plays so many times that, uh, you know, he's the guy that beat Pat Mahomes last year in the AFC Championship game. Uh, you you got to think with a better football team and, and more weapons and all those things, I think this is a legit thing, a legit possibility, uh, though something I did not discuss with, you know, any of those 49ers people that I ran to at the Combine. So, first of all, we need to get you like um – like when you start going into sources and people that you talk yeah. to, we need we need to get him some like Adam Schefter style intro or something. This is like what the last Sage thing. Is I, hearing. Yeah, yeah. Sage is. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is this is like the you know of all the things in media, I've always said you know that type of work, the person that and the people I should say that are constantly looking for the scoop, looking for the information, who's going to do what. That's like the last thing that I'd like to do as a reporter. And yet here you are saying people I talk to have told me uh, friction is a good word to use if you're one of those reporter people i've been told by sources close to belichick there's friction uh okay well let's let's back this truck up by the way what what dan orlowski said i find really fascinating i've never thought about that but yeah this is the first time tom's been a true free agent and he really is being courted by a lot of teams and i think a lot of teams would love to have him i mean again he's just the guy has won so many ball games over the course of the last 19 years and there's just no way physically he's way worse than he was a year ago he lost all his receivers Basically, but Edelman last year lost his tight end, yet there they are still in the playoffs. I think Tom Brady has plenty left in the tank. So I also think this, and looking into the pro football focus data, Sam Monson wrote an article about this because, of course, they track every single throw and how much was Brady's fault, how much was it the supporting cast. The offensive line fell apart to some extent for Brady as well, and in San Francisco, they're a really good offensive line. But my question is, how much longer do we expect him to be some version of Tom Brady, because he's playing right now um, into his early 40s. He will be 43 at some point next season. And even the greatest quarterbacks of all time, including Peyton Manning, eventually fall off the side of the table. I mean, even Dan Marino played late into his career, and he was a guy that got rid of the ball fast, almost never got sacked, but ultimately it caught up to him. If you're the 49ers... A couple things things on that. Um, You know, one thing I learned about coming up to Minnesota and, like, hockey players, the hockey players can play for a long time if they're great skaters, right? I mean, guys like Gretzky, they play, you know, into their 40s. And, and, you know, Brady is a guy that has a different throwing motion than Peyton Manning, actually a much more natural throwing motion. So that will, like, he'll have that when he's 50. His arm, if he continues to sort of work out, will be not much worse now than when he's 50 years old. That's just the way the way Tom throws. Peyton is different. He sort of strong-armed the ball and didn't have a, a, a great whip. I know we're getting, like, quarterbacky here, but Tom has that, and I, that's not going to go away. Yeah, he's a little bit slower. He's a little bit this. He's also, he gets the ball out 
extremely quick on drop back pass. He makes decisions. He gets the ball out fast. He knows, you know, holding on to the football is not the way to go in this league. And so he doesn't get sacked, you know, all that much. He's also become a really good play action quarterback. That is something that New England has added to sort of his repertoire over the years. We don't see a ton of just like empty, you know, Tom Brady like we that we, like we did during those Rainy Moss, uh, uh, Wes Welker years. So he has become a little bit more of a play action and get the ball out quick, you know, quick decision maker. He reads coverage so fast that he can get the ball out quick. I think that uh, you know that's that that style and his again his throwing motion, those types of things are very conducive to having a an extremely long career. Now I love fun risks that teams make and pushing things to the center of the table and going all in. Like you and I talked about with the potential of a Vikings and Jalen Ramsey trade last year. And my argument was Oh, YOLO, like, let's just go all in because this might be your last shot. And now we look at the Vikings cap situation and everything else and go, yeah, actually, that might have been their last shot. With the 49ers, though. Well, I mean, well, by the way, I mean, look at the Rams. They didn't make the playoffs, and now they have don't have two first-round draft picks, and they haven't even negotiated a contract with Jalen Rams yet. Like, I don't even know what's going on there. Well, I think that their all-in move was probably misguided. Whereas with the Vikings, they were in line to make the playoffs and probably needed better cornerback play if they were going to compete with anyone because we knew that Kirk Cousins and the offense weren't just going to carry them all the way through the playoffs. And ultimately, that ended up happening, and San Francisco's offense was good enough to get ahead and and so forth. But my point is just that I am usually Mr. Push it to the center of the table, go all in, go crazy. I'm the one that wants Washington to draft Tua because I think that being risky and aggressive is good. But with the 49ers here and Tom Brady, if you push your chips to the middle of the table and you just jettison Jimmy Garoppolo to bring in Tom Brady, presumably for one or two years, and he's the same Tom Brady as he was last year, that some of the skills deteriorate and he can't move very well. He already couldn't move well before, but can't move at all. And he ends up with a similar stat line. Then you have sent a Super Bowl quarterback who is really good. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, he's not Tom Brady in his prime, but he's really good. You've sent him packing for someone that didn't get you there, and then you end up with no quarterback, basically, if you're the 49ers. And and that's that's where it's hard to justify for me, is taking a guy who's under a very reasonable contract, Jimmy Garoppolo, 29 years old, that has many years left in his prime and just took you to the Super Bowl and played extremely well and was that close. At one point in the Super Bowl, he's 18 for 22, and they're up by 10 points, and then their defense can't stop Patrick Mahomes. It just feels like it would be a huge overreaction for San Francisco to say, no, no, we need to change quarterbacks from a guy who's done nothing but win his entire career. What's Isn't Jimmy's record like 21-5? and five? Well, I, I I believe I said I don't think it's that good, but I believe I said after the 49ers lost in the Super Bowl that listen, Kyle is not going to be satisfied. I mean, it is unless you have way. Pat Mahomes, unless you have like Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, uh, I think Deshaun Watson, um, these young guys that are I think really good. I, I think Baltimore is pretty satisfied in their situation right now, being that they have the MVP. But like other, you know, I think. The Packers are satisfied, but like they're looking to the future. I mean, they know this thing is not going to go forever, and and at some point, Aaron's skills are going to deteriorate. And and but you know, most teams are looking for somebody better. I mean, that's just the thing. You're whether it's a draft or a trade or a free agent or whatever. If you can get a better quarterback um, to lead your football team, 
And uh, you're going to try to do that. And I think the fact that Tom Brady is a free agent, it's never happened before. I love Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's a really good player. But at the end of the day, he missed really. I'm not worried about the slant throw on the third down and five. It was really, for me, it was the post throw. That was huge. That was the play of a football game. He read the right coverage and he overthrew the guy by five yards. That pretty much ends the game right there. Uh, uh, and and the 49ers win the Super Bowl. He missed that throw. Tom Brady like just does, has not missed that throw very often in his career. And I you know I th- I think Tom Brady for at least a year to win a Super Bowl is an upgrade. I love that you love it. That's that's what I like about it most because I did I not just know, I did I not Kyle's, expect this. I did not I know, expect this take from you. I know I know Kyle's like aggressive nature. I just know how he is. Like uh, he doesn't really, you know, it's almost like he doesn't care. He doesn't care what people think. I mean, that's one thing about Mike Shanahan was a little bit where like Mike didn't care what people think. You know, all right, we had Jake Plummer. We went to the NFC uh, the AFC Championship game. We're just gonna go after, go after uh, Jay Cutler because we don't think you know we think we can do better than Jake Plummer. I mean, I just sort of know. That sort of Shanahan mentality is if they can find a better player, they definitely will. Now, it is worth noting that Pro Football Focus last year, and this tells you how different traditional statistics can be from watching every play and charting it, Tom Brady actually graded higher than Jimmy Garoppolo last year. Brady was the 10th best quarterback in the league, and Garoppolo was 13th. So if you think, if you're Kyle Shanahan, that Jimmy Garoppolo held you back to some extent for using the full power of your offense and Kyle Shanahan's genius and all of the weapons, which I didn't really see him holding them back. And he put up great numbers. He had 102 quarterback rating and he beat a lot of really good teams last year. He had four fourth quarter comebacks, but if he feels like they can upgrade or that Garoppolo wouldn't repeat this performance, which I still don't know why he wouldn't because all he did was play really well before that. But if that's how Shanahan feels, then I guess it would make sense to do. I just think that uh, it would be one of the more aggressive and kind of bat bleep crazy moves that any NFL team has ever made at this position. But you know what? If it causes more quarterback madness, I'm okay with it. I just think San Francisco might be taking too much of a risk with someone who's that old. You know what I mean? Who, like that That's was... what concerns me more than is Brady better than Garoppolo. Of course he is, but the Can age you remember factor back? is too Can much remember... for me. Can you go back into your memory uh, and try to remember who was the quarterback in Kansas City when they signed Joe Montana? Uh, might have been, was? Um, was it? Like, like Steve DeBerg? Steve DeBerg. Maybe? <laughs> yeah, could be. <laughs> so I guess I shouldn't uh, equate Steve DeBerg to Jimmy G. But, uh, you know, they had a guy who was their starter. Steve and DeBerg. They, they obviously brought in Joe Montana, right? And, and and it actually worked out pretty well for Kansas City. They had some really good. They had some good football teams, and and just sort of never got uh, sort of the Marty thing. Never got into that Super Bowl. So I, again, I can see it happening. If I'm San Francisco, I'm interested only Kyle and uh, Mike Lafleur, the the passing game coordinator, and the crew on that staff. Only they know how Jimmy G is. You know, from day to day. Uh, in meetings and all the practices. I mean, is he really consistent in practice? He does. He'll throw some ducks on occasion. He'll throw the ball uh, uh, dangerously. 
Uh, it seems like once or twice a game. I mean, he we, we talk about, you know, Kirk had a lot of good pieces around him, had weapons and, and had a good defense and had these things, and the Vikings still couldn't do it. Well, Jimmy G had about all you want around him, too. I mean, best defense in the NFL, uh, I would say. A, a great running game, obviously. Didn't have to almost do anything in the NFC Championship game and did have some good weapons. And they actually had a couple of guys get hurt this year. They're going to have some more weapons come back next year. And so, you know, you put that around a – I think a better quarterback. I think Tom Brady is a better quarterback than than Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo, and and that would be an upgrade. And, and the NFL people do look long term, but if you can get a guy like this in the short term for a year or even two years, that could be two Super Bowls, and that could be sort of the way you know John Elway finished up his career when he was you know thirty eight, thirty nine, forty, whatever that age was. I have no recollection of this, but in nineteen ninety two, Dave Craig was the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think I got them confused. Yes, well, Steve sure. DeBerg was definitely there one of the years. I don't remember Dave Craig at all as a I Kansas like City bo- Chief. I feel like they're both number seventeen, and so that's where or something in my mind. I, I can't remember their numbers exactly, but you're right about Deberg being there. I think he won something like eleven games there at total random. But uh, then Montana like played, comes in the next year. I feel like he also played a season with like a giant cast on his left hand or something <laughs> like that. Journeyman quarterback, no. the best. Uh, Joe Montana. So then Montana and Craig were both the quarterbacks in '93. But the thing about Montana, in, in comparison to the Brady thing. He was five years younger when he, and, and I'm sure he had more mileage from getting his ass kicked more than NFL quarterbacks do now. Yeah, I mean, and, Montana back in the day, you ever seen that game where they, they played against like the Eagles and Reggie White? Yes. I mean, it was yeah. just like a bloodbath game. <laughs> yes. He was just taking tons of hits and on that terrible turf. I mean, yeah, but the quarterbacks are much more protected now. On, on, we talked about Marino, you know, at the end of his career. He was right around that 39-year-old mark, and he was sort of a guy that, again, like he could still throw it and he couldn't move at all because he had had Achilles surgery. I mean, he really couldn't move. But on top of it, again, a different era. All right, this is, you know, the 80s and, and the 90s. But, you know, Tom really does take care of himself. I mean, mm-hmm. Marino did not, right? I mean, and as far as, a like, what they put in their bodies from a food and yeah, maybe alcohol consumption standpoint. I mean, I just, I just know for a fact, spending like four years in Miami, you know, Marino, like, he could throw him down. I mean, all those quarterbacks <laughs> back in the 80s, uh, you know, like liked to have some cold ones. And so, you know, I don't think Tom does those types of things to his body, which, again, uh, and, you know, is, is super healthy diet and all those things and science now that they, I think guys can sort of live younger, longer. So you think that San Francisco goes to the Super Bowl without – if they move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, which, by the way, cap-wise, they could cut him. At least the way it looks to me yeah, on over the cap, they could was, just cut him. was sort of two- to three-year or yeah. something heavy right off the bat, and then it got you know, pretty much it was like a two-year tryout or something from what I recall. Uh, yeah, I would offer Tom Brady two years, $60 million, and it's basically two one-year deals, and we'd have to have some sort of date next spring as to when he wanted to call, you know, come back to make it fair for both sides. That's what I would do. And, uh, and yeah, that's... I think that'd be a good move. I, I, I'm, I'm super on board with this. Now, this would be the ultimate double bird to Bill Belichick, uh, aside from going to the Jets or something, because if well, he, they got Garoppolo too, they, they, Belichick like did them a favor by giving up Garoppolo for a second round pick. By the way, but, but there was they should also give Garoppolo. Uh, uh, they should give uh, Garoppolo back to the Patriots for a first rounder. <laughs> But there was also a, a, a thought that the reason he sent Garoppolo to San Francisco because there were other teams that were 
Um, maybe going to give more for Garoppolo than San Francisco offered. And the reason he gave them to San Francisco was because he wanted to fill their quarterback spot so Brady wouldn't leave and go to his hometown in San Francisco. So now I I had not heard that angle yet. That makes a lot of sense. I had also heard that Jimmy Garoppolo and Belichick got got along well and that sort of uh, Belichick wanted to do right by the quarterback and not send him to... Cleveland or, or someplace <laughs> right. yeah. where you know, like they just weren't going to be successful, and so basically almost out of respect. And I think I also respect that in Kyle Shanahan's offense, he knew Garoppolo would be successful. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of like, oh, look how look how well the guy is doing. That's not on the football team, and it's sort of like a, a, a middle finger to Robert Kraft who wanted to keep Brady. I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot that goes on in this whole situation. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm glad that you're on board uh, with it. I'm still not because I think we're giving Jimmy Garoppolo too hard of a time here. But San Francisco, with their offense, with Kyle Shanahan's offense, and you know what also might inspire Shanahan here, is that after what happened in 2016, where they fell apart up 28-3, to and then they're up 20-10, to and his team falls apart and loses both times in the Super Bowl, I'm sure that he is desperate to make sure it doesn't happen again. Because if it happened to him a third time, let's say, or they got in an NFC Championship game and lost a big lead or whatever it might be, I mean, that's got to eat at you like crazy that your reputation is now the guy who has blown two massive leads. And one thing that we do know about Brady is if they were up 20 to 10 in the fourth, Brady somehow gets that done and they win the game. I would take Kyle's reputation over, you know, 90% of the offensive coordinators in this league. The fact that he's got two quarterbacks going to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, and not too far from each other. They did have leads, so the guys actually played fairly well. And in particular, in this last one against Kansas City, I mean, that's just basically if you get stopped once or twice, and again, one was the missed post throw and one was a batted ball down, which was a perfect play call. I mean, it was literally you could not have put on a better play call than on the third and five where Sibyl thought they should run the ball and been conservative and just had to punt. But, you know, when you are playing against Patrick Mahomes, you got to have that your your foot still on the gas, and, and and I thought that was again the guy basically had a twist and ran into the the knockdown pass, and so sort of got lucky. But that was the perfect play, and uh, and again, it's Patrick Mahomes is sort of a different deal when you got a guy who can you know it wasn't just them; it was the other two playoff games as well where he uh, uh, you know where he brought his team back from brought his teams his team back from games where they're down by more than 10 points I mean I think they just sort of run to, ran into a perfect combination there I think Kyle called uh, a really nice I should say perfect but a a very good game and I think he called a very good fourth quarter and it just didn't work out well and that's what I mean is that if you're Kyle Shanahan you feel like you have done your job and set your team up in those positions twice in 2016 and then last year and not gotten there, that would maybe inspire you to do something that was really aggressive. So, all right, well, I thought this was a shark-jumping moment for the Tom Brady conversation. Maybe I am wrong. Uh, So let's take a break. We'll come back. There was a trade in the NFL yesterday which got my wheels spinning about one player the Vikings could consider trading. I wouldn't expect it, but maybe it would be the right thing to do. We'll talk about it when we return. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels here on Purple Daily. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, and Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience, and standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more 
about your local Federated Marketing Representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Score North Download Time. Jonathan here with this hour's download. Score North has a brand new golf show, 10,000 Swings with Brad Cole and David Branstead. Two golf geeks breaking down the latest in golf culture around Minnesota and the latest stories on the PGA Tour. Find 10,000 Swings at 7 p.m. on Mondays on Score North on AM 1500 or on demand on Apple, Spotify, or the Score North mobile app. Caller, I have news about one of your favorite running backs and a former guest on this show, actually. Mm, who would this? that be? One of my favorite running backs. Uh, was Leroy Horde ever on the show? Uh, no, unfortunately. This is a running back, not a fullback, huh? Yep, running back. Okay, well, just give it to me. All right, here we go. His story is he's working out right now with LaShawn McCoy, by the way. So those two who we had visions of joining one another in Buffalo's backfield last year, continuing to work out. So that is a sign that Frank Gore intends to continue playing and is not looking to retire. And I'll give you another sign. This is a pretty direct one. This was from his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, via text. He said he is not looking to retire and he expects to play in 2020. Now, he's going to have to find a situation. He's going to have to find a suitor and maybe he waits until, you know, deep in the training camp, maybe even into the season. Who knows? I mean, I don't know so much on the timeline, but I can tell you that as of right now, Frank Gore can, intends to continue playing in the NFL in 2020 if someone will have him. That's um, been your a marvel. Yeah. Frank Gore, a marvel of human beings and what they can do. Uh, that was very cool when we had Frank Gore on the show earlier this year. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels here on Purple Daily. And um, I am hoping for social media reaction to you loving Brady to the 49ers. Because I, you, usually you're like, yeah, I don't know about your crazy moves that you come no, up I with, like crazy man. But you, I did not expect that. I didn't expect you to be all in, but it I'm makes happy sense. about it. It makes sense in like, well, let's count the ways. Top five talented roster. I would say top three offensive mind run the show. He goes home. Uh, it's uh, a, 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 a sort of a separation from Bill Belichick. I think there's there is something there where he'd just sort of like to be out of there at this point. Um, and for for San Francisco, they got to pay they got to pay somebody twenty five to thirty whatever million dollars. I mean, either it's Garoppolo or it's him. Tom has so much playoff experience and so many Super Bowls and those ty- types of things. He has been clutched time and time again. Uh, I think there's like six to eight things that just this makes more sense, way more sense than Oakland. Um, I mean, Vegas, Oakland had, yes, o- Vegas. Oakland had, yeah, the, yeah, Oakland, uh, Vegas. Unfortunately. Um, that's going to keep happening, by the way. I'm, I'm going to call him a San Diego Chargers I think you get a, I think you get a year, and then yeah, you I have to figure you know, it out. No, I don't care because it still always should be the San Diego I know, Chargers. I so, agree. And it know, should be the Oakland Raiders. They're not going to get my Sad. respect. Uh, that, that's when we're old people, I think. That one makes so little old. sense because, I mean, do you really think, like, when, when Peyton Manning went to Denver, they basically, I think McCoy was the coordinator, they basically changed the offense to be basically Peyton Manning's offense, and I think Tom will want some of that. Peyton was more of a control freak the way he ran that thing, but Tom will want some things to fit, you know, Tom Brady and all the things that he's done in his past, um, but I do think that, you know, Kyle uh, is one of those guys that could do that. Gruden wouldn't like doing that anyway. We all know he's like sort of a control freak and he wants yeah. his offense run. And then so you're going to basically try to move this offense towards the Tom Brady offense, and then after a year or two you're going to flop, flip it back to the John Gruden offense and have all these young guys that they've 
drafted and they got all these draft picks from Chicago and these things, um, they're going to, you know, switch off. I just do not see that happening. Okay. So if you're Brady, though, is San Francisco a better option than Tennessee if you don't consider the I want to go home and everything else? He's got a private jet. He could be back home in 30 minutes, I'm sure, if he wants to. Tennessee has an ascending roster that drafted a lot of players high, has some good wide receivers, a very good offensive line, a coach where he used to uh, play with, Mike Vrabel, and knows clearly very well, and a defense that's good, and also a division that's very beatable. If the Indianapolis Colts, even if they land Phillip Rivers, you're still talking about the Jaguars might lose 12 or 13 games this year. Houston's always going to be tough because of Deshaun Watson, but their coaching is questionable and the rest of their roster is questionable. And uh, so if you're Tennessee, you can win that division pretty easily, I think, with Tom Brady and then set yourself up for a chance. The NFC West is a lot tougher. The Rams aren't going to just disappear. Arizona is ascending. Seattle is probably the the favorite right now in, in the NFC just because of Russell Wilson. I mean, you have to consider that, don't you? I think there, to me, those are the two top teams, other than going back to New England, of course. Uh, and, and I believe Tennessee runs, because Matt LaFleur came from there, uh, that they run a very similar offense mm-hmm. to sort of what San Francisco ran. Yep. Though I do consider Kyle a much more creative person than both Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay. And I think Kubiak and Stefanski, I think Kyle's are another level of creativity there. Um, but uh, it, it would be similar. So, yeah, I, I think that Tennessee is right in that mix as well. Of a, If Tom decides to leave, I sort of think either they're one or San Francisco is one. Uh, and I think Vrabel would absolutely love him. Again, you know, you're, you're getting him for a year or two, and so that's going to be a, a different um, you know type of situation than like a Ryan Tannehill who you think is you're probably going to sign a four- to five-year deal somewhere. Um, to sort of be their guy based off how he played in 2019. Well, we will start to figure this out um, in a couple of weeks here. <laughs> Everybody's trying to get the Brady scoop, including Dana White. I don't know if you saw this video, but Dana White, who runs UFC, did an Instagram Live where he's on the phone with Tom Brady, and he's asking Brady to sign in Vegas. <laughs> it's just like, okay, man. <laughs> this It has jumped the shark, and uh, once it happens, though, then I think we'll get a lot of other dominoes to fall. It sounds like Teddy Brady Bridgewater to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is becoming somewhat of a real thing. And I love that for Teddy. And they could also still draft a quarterback if you're Tampa Bay. You could take someone like Jordan Love. So if it doesn't work out with Teddy or his knee falls apart, then you have someone to turn it to. And if it does work out with Teddy, you could trade that person. But nothing is going to happen until Brady decides where he's going to go. So well, he's not going to be... go to Tampa. I, you know you don't that. You think so? so... I think nope. that would still be somewhat attractive. I I don't I don't see that one at all. I don't think it's the market or the team or the style of offense with Bruce Aarons who wants the the quarterback to sort of hold the ball and throw the ball down the field a lot, which is one of the reasons one of the reasons Jameis threw a lot of interceptions last year. Um, but you know, I like I, I just hope Teddy goes somewhere and gets his payday. That's what I hope. You know, just for I mean, he's he's. He was on his way there, and before he had that injury, and then he recovers from that, takes him a while, comes back, and he's done all he can do to try to sort of earn that second, uh, you know, that second real big contract. And and uh, you know, he's one of the more likable guys that I've uh, a little bit been around, and everyone that's been around him just seems to really, really like him. So mm-hmm. I, I would love to, you know, whether he has some great career or not, I hope he gets a you know three year, seventy five million dollar deal, 
and gets that $25 million or $20 million a year uh, in something really, really significant to sort of set him up. And I just know, you know, some guys get paid and you're like, uh, you know, but I think Teddy will do so much good with yeah. the money he makes yep. and he's not just going to go buy 35 cars and lose it all. <laughs> I think yeah. that and I'm just sort of rooting for him to get that big contract. Well, and if you follow him on social media, he, he already made something like $10 million last year and uh, does a lot of that stuff and posts some he of rides his bike. and things like that. He rides his bike to the game yes. or something like yes. that, right? I mean, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And, and that's a big uh, big part of his success, I think, is just how much people want him to succeed. And uh, considering he would have two great wide receivers there, uh, a really good coach in Bruce Arians, an offensive line that they're building, that's a great spot for him. But if you're, if you're Brady, you might also view that as a division that's winnable, possibly with Atlanta not really being that much of a threat recently. You, may, you might figure that New Orleans could slip back. I, I think that has to be a you're factor. True. I of, mean, that is true. That division is uh, – what you're saying about Tennessee before, by the yeah. way, that division is definitely you – know, the NFC West is one of the tougher ones going right now. Seattle's really good. The Rams are right there. They're in the Super Bowl a year and a half ago or whatever. So – you know that that is a, a a tough division, and I think Arizona. I like Kyler Murray as a quarterback. I think he's he's going to be a good one for a while. I don't know how that team and organization and and that offense they run if that's going to be conducive to win a lot, but. They have sort of the perfect sort of spread guy. I think a guy that can run around and make plays, and he's a super accurate quarterback, and he usually makes pretty good decisions. Uh, that's that's a, that's a tough division at NFC West. All right, hang on just a second here. I had something else I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. So aside from the Brady stuff, which is fun to talk about, um, I want your take on Anthony Barr here, where he stands. Um, so I was looking at this AJ Bouye trade yesterday. Is that how you say his name? I think so. Um, and so the Jaguars are just melting and sending everybody everywhere. They know they've got to rebuild. They're looking they have for no Trevor mu- Lawrence. They, the Jaguars like got rid of their base of their best player. They don't have a quarterback really right now, and they're they have the worst salary cap situation in the National Football League. I mean, it is a disaster down there in Jacksonville. Yeah, total disaster. But it actually could work out great for them. It could, because if they win three games and they get Trevor Lawrence, then they can go forward with that. I don't think Gardner Minshew's a starter. But them trading a, a very expensive player who didn't have a great year last year made me think about Anthony Barr. Because the Vikings are desperate for salary cap space. And Barr has just been good but not great. And had a sack on the first play of the first game or something like that. And then only a half a sack the rest of the year. He still gets pressures on the quarterback, but he's not rushing all the time. He's not unbelievably good in pass coverage, and he's solid against the run, but he's not Luke Keekley against the run or Ray Lewis against the run. Yet his contract kind of reflects that he would have to be that type of person to be uh, worth it. And as the Vikings look at all these options, well, do you cut this guy, do you let this guy go, and so forth, I look at Barr as someone that they should make some phone calls on. Not because I think he's a bad player, but I think that when you're cash-strapped, you need to look at the value of everything that you have and say, is this player bringing us what we're paying him? And the answer last year I think was decidedly no, and Eric Hendricks was the better linebacker by far and and played up to his contract. And, And we both love Eric Wilson. Uh, who we think would be nice if he got on the that's right. a, little, yeah. a little bit more, right? And- well, that's kind of the point, is that you know Wilson brings somewhere close. And I was also reading that this draft is really good for linebackers, but no one's drafting linebackers that high because they're sort of getting viewed as the defensive running back. So if you could draft a linebacker in the second round who's great and trade Anthony Barr, 
I think you would take that because you can bring similar value from what you get from the draft pick and then get something back and you clear cap space. And there will be teams that I think have a ton of cap space and don't know how to spend it and can't win players in free agency. You know, I, I, this, I am not against this idea. And again, I, I think Anthony Barr is a good player. I don't think he is a great player. I don't think he's a premier linebacker. He's getting, he's, and he's getting paid very well. You know, he was good early on in his career. He was a good player uh, as a rookie. He was a, I would say, almost a great player in his second season uh, in 2015. And then he's been sort of ho-hum since. And this year was the second worst year of his, you know, six-year career, uh, you know, based off of the PFF grades. And so a guy that's, you know, not put up. It's interesting, his numbers is, is similar to AJ. Uh, AJ Boy, is that how you're saying it? Bouye? I, I think it's Bouye, but Bouye. Okay, so they're they're interesting. Where they both had pretty good early in their careers, and, yeah. and, and this last year both took that dive to where they had very you know, mediocre uh, uh, seasons. And so, you know, if you can get some value for him, and in a situation where this Vikings team is probably looking for places to trim a little fast, and, and especially if you have a backup that's very inexpensive, that we're sort of like, how are we going to get this guy on the field more? And then what you said is that that linebacker position, you know, unless you have a great, great player, do you want to pay those prices? You'd rather have that money at the defensive end or or maybe that cornerback position or maybe the left tackle on offense and we can find guys that can fill in that linebacker spot. And, you know, we're also talking about, you know, some of the things that, uh, you know, Dom Capers might bring to the table mm-hmm. uh, that are, you know, maybe, you know, do things a little bit differently. So I, I'm very interested in this idea. Will it happen? And, and is it even in discussions? I have no idea. So I, I keep thinking about this with this offseason for the Vikings because if you – we're Rick Spielman, and let's say the analytics department comes to you and says, look, I know you guys love Barr. I know you drafted him. And if he was a $5 million player, you would say, oh, well, okay. I mean, this guy's really good at football, so why don't you keep him? He's very rare with his size and his speed combination, and he can cover running backs out of the backfield and tight ends with their size and such. But here's the deal, Rick. Our numbers tell us that... The pay versus the production just isn't really there. So if you signed an expensive left guard instead, he would bring you more wins above replacement. That's how everybody wants to look at things, right? The baseball way of wins above replacement. I think Rick Spielman would probably say, you know what? Let's make some phone calls. I'm interested in this idea. The guy who would not be interested in that idea is Mike Zimmer, though. And and this is where I wish I could be the fly on the wall at TCO Performance Center hearing what Zimmer thinks about potentially Linval Joseph going, his cornerbacks that he worked so hard to build up going. We know that he's okay with Anthony Harris, but with the bar thing, he fought so hard to get him back that I wonder how hard he would fight against the potential trade, even though on paper it would be the right move. Well, there's a couple of things here. Barr did have his most tackles in his career, but you know, really surprised me. He's only got 16 sacks in his whole career, and I feel like he rushes the passer you know, his fair share. He also only has three interceptions over the course of six years. I mean, you would just think linebackers, you get a tip ball here or there, or the quarterback tries to fit one in in a window down the field, and you, you snag it. And, and so, you know, from a production standpoint, sacks and interceptions are really important for, for a linebacker like himself. Do you want to analyze a mock? I feel like we're on the same page on the Anthony Barr thing, and I'm going to explore it some more as we go through the offseason here. Um, but I also have a mock, and I feel like that's a fun thing we like to do. To the do. mock we go. <laughs> All right. This this is great. I, it's over a mock the, or this is a sim today? Over the, this is a mock. There's a very big difference. This is someone else's mock, not my draft sim. 
So this would be a draft expert who we're going to have on the show tomorrow, Mike Renner, his most recent mock. So I want us to break it down. And I, I feel like we've taken steps forward, just you and I, on this show, Sage, over the last week. I'm getting you to be completely reckless about Tom Brady, where he's going to go. You love breaking down mocks. You're asking about draft sims. Like You're a different person since Indy. There's, there's pre-Indy <laughs> well, Sage and now current in, uh, Sage, post-Indy so Sage. I, if, if I recall... You're an insider? Last- <laughs> yeah, I'm not yet. No, I'm not. Uh, if I recall last year, well, you know, I, the the listeners don't know, but once the the draft is over, I'm taking a little break from <laughs> yes, this radio yeah, show. That's right. Uh, for the summertime, I, we take a lot of trips and yeah. and uh, and get out of town and, and of course kids. This is like kids your are last school. <laughs> yeah. So I've always been a little bit hesitant to get in the the off season world of the media. Because there is a lot of speculation. I mean, look what we've done today. We've talked about speculation of, uh, of Barbie and trade and speculation of Tom Brady and speculation of this, that, and the other. And my, I feel like my, my, my favorite thing to do is actually to look at film yeah. and to tell people what happened. And this is what I saw, and this is why you know, he threw that interception or whatever. And the offseason's more, you know, it's, it's your classic talk radio of talking about the possibilities or, or whatever. So, I feel like you're falling I have in love with it, though. I feel but like I haven't. Sure. Well, I think this offseason has been interesting for one because speculation about the quarterbacks, of course, around the league, which I like, to- like talking about, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, there's not too many times you get a nine-time Super Bowl uh, participant at quarterback and six-time winner a free agent, and then you know Breeze was a a free agent for a second or whatever was was thinking about testing the waters and rivers and then of course you know guys like Tana it's an interesting offseason for veterans and then of course there's always the draft and and in, you know of course these top two quarterbacks I really like both of them I think Joe Burrow and Tua uh, are, are both going to be good NFL players and and I think there's maybe you know I, I don't break down all these college guys a ton but you know I, I think Chase Young is one of those uh, you know, pre, you know, sort of dominating defensive end types and can be. So Washington could draft him because they would need one of those players, but they also desperately, I think, need a quarterback. And, and, you know, Haskins probably has some potential, but I think Tua is, is and will be a, a better player if he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those situations like Arizona where they go, you know, we, I know we just drafted a quarterback last year. I think Josh Rosen was about the 10th pick. Something like that, tenth, twelfth, somewhere in that, um, somewhere in there, and uh, and they didn't see him as a guy that's you know this guy blew it up his his, his freshman year. It was so good, and they saw a chance to upgrade with Kyler Murray, and they definitely did upgrade with Kyler Murray. And so you know this is that you know conversation with Washington at least where you know they do have some choices here of what they should do, and you know they could probably get some some decent trade value for Dwayne Haskins somewhere else as well. I'm glad you brought this up, because in Mike Renner's mock that we're going to break down now at PFF.com, Burrow is number two, Tua goes number two to Washington, and that means that number three is Chase Young to Detroit. So if Washington tries to get really aggressive here, this could set up the Detroit Lions with an edge rusher that will be chasing around Kirk Cousins potentially for years to come. So if you're the Vikings, you're rooting against this. Like, do not draft to a number two. Trade that pick to Miami. Let them take it. Well, all these teams are really interesting. You know, everyone knows that Miami at five, they're looking for a quarterback. I did see today they're interested in having Fitzmagic back, of course, who is the perfect one and done or backup quarterback or play a couple games or just whatever, just have in the lunchroom during the break time. I mean, he's like the perfect guy to have on the roster. Uh, so Fitzmagic might be back. Do you, do you know him at all? He's hilarious. He's like I, I one don't. of the funniest people. In I the don't. I, I feel like. Um, 
back when he was the third guy, maybe as a rookie, uh, with the St. Louis Rams, and we played against him with the Texans, and he uh, he came into the game, and, man, he was throwing it around. I was like, man, this kid's impressive for a rookie. He's got some guts, and sure mm-hmm. enough, it's been like you know 14 years later, <laughs> and he's still out there playing. So he's, he's had a, a great career, but it's interesting. You know, the, Those top two teams obviously need a quarterback, and then you've got Detroit and the Giants, and I don't think Detroit needs a new quarterback. I am... I think Matthew Stafford is good. I think he just happens to be in one of those organizations that continues to sort of not make the right decisions, whether mm-hmm. it's a coach or players or just the whole thing. There's just, you know, the Bengals are one of those teams too. Cleveland is one of those teams too. The Dolphins lately have been one of those teams as well, constantly drafting high. But Detroit's in one of those situations where I don't think they need a quarterback now. Uh, and the Giants at four, they don't need a quarterback either. I think they're pretty happy with Daniel Jones. Uh, I think he's going to be a, a solid to good player. But Miami definitely needs a quarterback. And then the Chargers, they're starting over too. Carolina, I don't know what's going to happen there. I saw something about Cam Newton coming back. And obviously Arizona, they're at eight. They don't need a quarterback either. So, you know, the, there's some teams that are the, – the, the I would say the two teams, Detroit and the Giants, are in an interesting spot because they are in those top four and they don't need a quarterback, and you know those you know, fifth and sixth teams, you know, the Chargers could try to jump up and get somebody, and obviously you know, if Haskins gets, uh, 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 they, they draft Tua, Haskins could get traded for the, you know, the team that needs a quarterback at 17 or something like mm-hmm. that. So uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a very interesting offseason, and I am enjoying sort of the speculation and the possibilities because the offseason, it's all about hope. It is. That's what it's about. It it's all about well, you know, if we could just get a couple guys in free agency and the draft and look at this guy, he ran a four four one and blah 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 he's got big hands. Like that could possibly be the small amount to get my three and thirteen team to, to ten and six and we're gonna make the playoffs, we're gonna make this magical run and finally the Super Bowl is gonna come home to Cincinnati. I mean that's that's why the offseason's so fun. Big hand bias is my band. <laughs> That's, that's going to be oh, my, my blues band. Uh, so in this mock from PFF, Chase Young goes to Detroit. Makai Becton, the offensive tackle from Louisville, ends up going to the Giants. They need a lot of help on the offensive line. Your best buddy, Justin Herbert, goes fifth to the Dolphins, which would kind of be classic Dolphins to draft a guy that's going to be a bust. <clears throat> uh, maybe we'll be wrong about that. I don't know. Los Angeles Chargers get Isaiah Simmons, and then I'll just scroll down to where the Vikings are, and we can talk about that. Isaiah Simmons, the freak linebacker slash safety yeah. Four three nine. Yeah. Now, if you put him on the same defense with Derwin James, it would be insane. Yeah, great coach. That's why I always say, man, that Debo Sweeney, he is a heck of a college football coach. (laughs) Getting guys that are six four two forty and a four three nine. I mean, what what a great coach. Can you uh, hit him with some turbo snark there, Jonathan? (laughs) Feel like we need to slow Uh, that, by the way, the the offensive lineman, you know, I'm I'm very interested in this kid Tristan Wirfs uh, yeah. from Iowa, Iowa, who his testing was absolutely phenomenal. I do know, you know, for a fact, and, and just knowing Jason Garrett fairly well with the New York Giants, I mean, it looks like these two guys are sort of the top two offensive linemen everyone has. Yep. Uh, but you know, Garrett still, I think, has some of that old school mindset of the Dallas Cowboys and the big dudes up front. Mm-hmm. You know, not the smaller guys like what Minnesota and San Francisco have, but there's sort of those big downhill we're coming at you with with weight and girth and size and of course six seven three sixty four uh that runs a five one forty i mean that's uh that kid beckton from louisville i can definitely see either one of those guys going to the new york giants so this mock has the vikings taking marlon davidson from auburn and i think he's a uh, defensive tackle that that would be very in terms of vikings fans minds a 
Huh. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's a draft. Yeah, we don't you. know. It's the SEC. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's He's way down good. there. And unless he played for like Alabama, you you may not have heard of him, or or Georgia, or or Clemson, or you know one of those schools as far as like us Midwesterners. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. And where do you put the Vikings' needs? Like so, you go left tackle, yeah, post corner, combine as far needs. as value for his value too. Like if you could pick anybody, if you could pick anybody. On this, not kind of the quarterbacks. Uh, if you could pick anybody on this draft board, who would you pick uh, uh, for the Minnesota Vikings? Anybody? Oh, that's a great anybody. question. Anybody? Of course, you ask a great question with forty seconds left in our time here. I am going to say that if I could pick anybody on this entire board, it would be Andrew Thomas, the left guard from Georgia, because even though he wasn't one of those combine freaks, he did well there, and he had the best tape of anyone. And a lot of people think he's the best pure offensive tackle. And I just look at this Vikings team as you need to use free agency for 2020 and the draft for 2021. That there are problems that you're just not going to be able to solve. And if you don't have a good left tackle, it's really hard to win. You know, I mean, San Francisco gets brought up and uh, the, the Chiefs have at right tackle Mitchell Schwartz, who's one of the best players in the league. And Joe Staley is there for the 49ers. You look at Drew Brees, who's helped extend his career. It hasn't hurt to have Teron Armstead at left tackle. I think that that's probably the third or fourth most valuable position in all of football, and the Vikings have just not done a great job of addressing it since they drafted Matt Khalil and that went bust. So I, I think of all the other than Joe Burrow, because I would draft Joe Burrow first. Yeah, I mean, other than, but the, other than him, top quarterbacks, I would say the uh, top left tackle. So for me, it's it's two guys actually. For me, it's either Chase Young, the defensive end from Ohio State, uh, and then we'd, you'd have that situation with Everson where you would have to put those dollars there and you'd save some money, yeah, put some dollars yeah. elsewhere, and the number two guy I think it would be the Tristan Wirfs kid from Iowa. I'm a you know, big believer in the Iowa offensive line scheme, and he's a guy that could come in right away mm-hmm. and play uh, a tackle for the Minnesota Vikings, yep. and that's a hard transition for a lot of college guys. If the Vikings draft somebody, an offensive lineman, they're going to have to play him probably right away after drafting yes. the first two yep. rounds. And an Iowa offensive lineman, that basically takes that red shirt off right off the bat, and he'll learn whatever this NFL system very, very quickly. Yep. And the freak athleticism, like we saw with Brian O'Neill, helps someone in their transition making it quicker. So, all right, the master of speculation uh, and I will both be uh, away next week on Monday and Wednesday. So we'll catch up again soon, and maybe we'll be very close to a Tom Brady decision, and we could start talking about where quarterbacks will land. We will be in all-time reckless mode the next time you you and I get together, Sage. So thank you for your time, sir. Sounds good. Free agency March 18th. We yep. are not too We're far getting away. There. We are getting there. All right. Sage Rosenfels there. Uh, Matthew Collar with you. Charles McDonald covers the New York Giants and New York Jets. Um, and I, I want to bring him in, but he also was at the Combine and loves to talk draft. Really smart football guy. So we're going to discuss a number of things when we return here on Purple Daily. More new deep dives are available on Minnesota Sports Rewind, including two new episodes on the Johan Santana trade and the craziest season in Vikings history. Minnesota Sports Rewind available on the Score North app, Apple, and Spotify. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Game. It's Murray on the fake. Pressure in his face, and he completes it. Truesdale fumbled the football. It's picked up by New York with room to run. Summers working his way to the end zone. Hit near the goal line is he in. Touchdown! 
Uh, yes, we bring in the uh, senior NFL writer for the New York Daily News to talk XFL football in New York. You know, uh, that New York squad, whatever their name might be, Charles McDonald, got their first win, which I'm sure was important for them. Uh, are you talking about the Guardians? <laughs> Is that their name? Yeah, I mean, of course. Oh, yeah, I do. I do. I've watched like two games. Uh, it's not really worth my time. That's like the one XFL team that I just can't stand watching because, like, for some reason, they had the pick of every quarterback that they could think of that wasn't on the NFL roster, and they came up with Matt McGloin as like their top option. So. Uh, not surprising that they've you know got off to a slow start on offense at least. Boy, that tells you. Why do you, we even know that? I don't know. That was great analysis. Actually, I was expecting you to just be like, "What?" and hang up. But uh, Matt McGloin being picked over PJ Walker and Cardell Jones, and the guy from the St. Louis team who's pretty good, who I think used to play for Ole Miss, is sort of like, mm, "What were you? What were you thinking there?" If you're going to be the XFL, this is my thing with the XFL quarterbacks. If you're going to be the XFL. Do not pick a third-string dude who is boring, like a third-string NFL dude who is boring in college. Pick someone who has freak athleticism, who might run for 200 yards randomly. Do not pick some guy who's going to have to check down every time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we see Cardell, even as for the defenders, like if you have a rocket arm and are big, like you can do a lot of damage in the XFL. So, you know, it's weird that they would choose to go such a boring route. Yeah. Well, anyway, ratings have dropped for, I think, four straight weeks, and even I had trouble uh, justifying it. Uh, My wife said, like, is there some XFL on today that you wanted to watch? And I went like, "Eh, yeah, well, maybe. No, I don't know. I don't think I ever got around to it. So that's kind of where we're at with that league is it couldn't even really hold my interest because the football is not great. So speaking of not great football, the top of this draft, Charles, um, your squad that you cover, the New York Giants there for the New York Daily News, is fourth, and it seems like the intrigue of this draft is who's going to trade where. Will Washington take Tua? Will they trade out of it? Is it all smoke? Is Detroit going to stay there? Would they pick Tua if he's on the board? And what did the New York Giants do? Would they trade back or take Isaiah Simmons or Mekhi Becton? What is your sense for how the top of the draft plays out after hanging out maybe a little late at times in Indianapolis? <laughs> yeah, uh, I I think we all have, you know, Burrow 1 to Cincinnati, Chase Young 2 to Washington. Like, I think we can say at this point the draft kind of starts with the third pick at the Lions. And, you know, the it, Unfortunately for the Giants, the Lions are in a spot where, you know, they're they're third, the Giants are fourth, so they're one pick ahead of the Giants, and they can, uh, at, at least, you know, there's what common logic says is, you know, it, you already have your franchise quarterback in place on a four and twelve roster, trade back, and the common sense logic kind of applies or aligns with what the Lions are thinking of. I mean, there was a ton of buzz last week about the number three pick being for sale and. It just makes a lot of a lot of sense when you look at the draft order. You know, from picks five through seven, you have the Dolphins, Chargers, and Panthers, all who could be in the market for uh, a franchise quarterback. So Detroit's in a really nice spot where they can trade down from three, pick up some picks, and still stay in like the top seven and get a premium player. So if they can do that, that's 
that's really good start. For, or I guess not even start the off season because it's the end of April. It's like a good finish to the off season for them. And the Jets, uh, the other New York team here, they have provided a blueprint for kind of getting that deal done because a couple of years ago the Jets were at six. They traded up to the Colts with for, for three, where they used for Sam Darnold, and they traded uh, two second round picks to get to the third or old pick. So you know, there's already a, a bit of a framework there for the Giant for the uh, the Lions to make a deal with. Charles, here's what I've been trying to decide about the Detroit Lions. Could they be somewhat of a sleeping giant, a team that had its quarterback get hurt and then has a really high draft pick, some free agent money to spend, they could add some more players, or is the fact that they're coached by Matt Patricia just too much to get over? Because I could talk myself into it and then right back out of it as soon as you say Matt Patricia. Yeah, I mean, it's been ugly with the Patricia era. Uh and it's funny. The funny, I still not get over, not get over Bob Quinn saying that you know nine and seven isn't good enough when they got rid of Jim Caldwell, and I think they have nine wins total since he left. So, yeah. uh, obviously, it was tough for them last year with, with Stafford going down. I mean, he was playing probably the best football of his career before he got hurt. But Matt Patricia, he was hired really to be a defensive guy, like to fix a defense. And even with Stafford being hurt, that doesn't excuse like most of the defense performance that we saw last year where, you know, I remember on Thanksgiving, they made Trubisky look pretty good. And we were all like, Trubisky, like he's, he's out here lighting up an NFL defense. So (laughs) that's, that's where uh, the lines are right now. So, you know, that draft will help uh, getting Stafford back and hopefully he can be healthy will help, but it's hard to feel confident with Patricia as they stand right now. Now, the team that you cover, the Giants, they are, I think, in everybody's mind, a bottom feeder in the NFC that they could have another season next year where they win four or five games and you have to go and cover them. So have fun with that. But, you know, I'm really uh, conflicted on Daniel Jones because last year around draft time, I watched some Daniel Jones with Sage Rosenfels, who uh, you know used to be a Giants backup and does the show with me here. And he said there was a, a few things that he really liked about him, and he thought the Duke team wasn't very good, and he kind of made up for some of that. And then last year when they played the Vikings, there were three or four flashes of, ooh, Daniel Jones just made a great throw. And then three or four times where he went, okay, definitely still a rookie out here playing. Um whether he works out will probably determine where that team goes next year and beyond. So what was your sense from being around him and uh, that team this year about how they feel about Daniel Jones as a franchise quarterback? I mean, the the Giants players that you talk to, and I honestly believe this is more than just player speak. Like, they do seem to be kind of all in on this guy. And I don't know if that's skewed from <laughs> – you know, the past few years playing for Eli, because I do think that he was a, a good deal better than Eli last season. But uh, I'll, I'll give Daniel Jones this. Like, he was more functional than I thought he would be in the NFL. Uh, I didn't really think that he, you know, honestly had much, like, to be a competent starting quarterback. I thought he was kind of a backup. But I think he proved at least that he should be starting. Uh, I think the next question is how high does that ceiling go? Mm-hmm. I personally think he can, like, max out as, like, a Jimmy Garoppolo type guy where if, if things go right, then you can have a pretty good team, but it takes a lot of help to get him there. And, you know, the Giants are picking fourth overall for a reason, so they're not quite there yet. But uh, they just have so long to go uh, on both sides of the ball. But, you know, don't feed into the Joe Judge stuff 
when he says he can't name a starting quarterback, whatever. Daniel Jones is going to be a starting quarterback. Uh, they used a six pick on him last year for a reason. He's by far the best quarterback left on the roster. So, yeah, he's going to be starting. The players like him. Uh, we'll see if the new coaching staff takes a liking to him when they, uh, you know, start working on April or whatever. Uh, but you know, he, he's he's a uh, he's better than I thought he would be. Talking with Charles McDonald, he is the senior NFL writer for the New York Daily News and uh, wrote a really great piece uh, in the New York Daily News about what you took away from the NFL Scouting Combine. That's sort of what it's called, what we learned from the NFL Scouting Combine. You tweeted it out at 4Verts if people want to check it out. Now, I want to talk to you about the strengths of this draft and what you took away from it because Sage Rosenfels and I were just talking about if you could, if you were the Vikings and you could pick anybody in this entire draft that wasn't a quarterback, obviously you'd take Burrow first, but who would you take if it was anybody? And I keep looking at these tackles, Charles, and thinking, oh, so good. Can I have one? Like it does, it might not matter. Yeah. Just one of these people is fine. The, what Tristan Wirfs did, I think he's going to play tackle, it looks like, uh, with his freak athleticism, but also the guy who's getting left sort of untalked about is Andrew Thomas. For uh, for how he how good he was on tape, but he gets sort of overlooked because of the freakish other guys who ran super fast and, and everything at the combine. But I think this is a great year to need a tackle. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, especially if you if you if this is like a very pressing immediate need for you. I mean, you got four options right there staring you in the face in the first round with uh, Tristan Wirfs, who you just uh, spoke about. I mean absolutely killed the combine and for me i i got into the draft game late so i started watching guys a couple weeks before the combine and i was so plugged out of draft talk that i had no idea that people were projecting him to be a guard because when i watched him i remember i I sent uh the tape to my friend justice we we go way back and we kind of nerd out about offensive line and defensive line stuff and we were like oh this guy's like a mix of Tyron Smith and Trent Williams. So when I found out people were thinking he was a guard, I was like, nah, dude, this guy's going to blow up the combine. He's like got freakish tackle athleticism. Like you can see it when he's on the backside of outside runs, like he's blocking linebackers down the field, like two or three gaps over, like the dude's just an alien. So uh, you got him up there. Uh, Jedrick Wills from Alabama, Andrew Thomas, like you mentioned, Makai Becton, who, I don't know what that was at the combine, but I, someone still needs to explain to me how he ran a five one at three hundred sixty four pounds. I mean, the dude is just solid, and he and it, what's cool about this class is there are a lot of young players at the top, like Tristan Worth just turned twenty one. I think Beckton is still twenty. Wills is he's twenty one too. So not only are you getting these guys who are young and have high floors, they also have the ceiling to get a lot better too. Which is, I mean, if you, if you need a tackle, like I think if I'm the Giants and let's say you want to trade down from four and the Lions take a player at three, like you can trade down, get a few picks and still get an offensive tackle. And, and like, you're really starting to accelerate their rebuild on offense. What, what do you make of how uh, the offensive lines, I guess, stack up these days? Because this is an interesting offensive line draft with the tackles to turn the tides maybe a little bit. It feels like in years past, there has been one guy who might be a good tackle at the top, or you get one freak like, uh, like uh, Quinn Nelson, who is a guard that gets, taken way high but I, I felt like for years we've been talking about yeah there's 18 defensive ends who could go in the first round and one offensive lineman and then it's sort of been reflective in how the game has been played and, and I feel like guys who get rid of the ball quicker or are athletic quarterbacks have had maybe somewhat of an advantage because of this I don't know if one draft can entirely change that because defensive ends are still freaks but 
this is unusual to me, Charles. Yeah, it's a weird draft because uh, you know I've been running through these defensive end guys because you know one fun thing about I remember I, I remember I was like you know I'm just going to cover the Jets and Giants needs for the draft and I realized oh okay that's like every position so <laughs> yeah. I, I've been kind of <laughs> I've been we're kind in of a similar spot one. there by the way. Yeah, with the Vikings, uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit worse over here, uh, but I I I don't really like this defensive end class. Like from what I've seen so far, no one really you know gets me going out, outside of Chase Young, who obviously is going to be like a top two pick. So you know, once you get past Chase Young, you have uh, I'm about to butcher his name, Kalevon Chasen from mm-hmm. LSU, yeah. and he's he's a guy that's like. The the traits are impressive, even though he didn't work out. But you still see when he gets matched up against like heavier offensive tackles, like oh, okay, this dude is still very much twenty years old, and he he still got some growing to do. So you know, it, it, it's exciting to think about what he could be. But right now, not not too pumped about like a day one impact. Uh, AJ Penza from Iowa. I didn't get it with him, and he ended up testing like a defensive tackle. Uh, I, I mean, the the first round options, Pash Chase Young, are are not too inspiring this year, which is definitely a big change from the past few uh, drafts. Let me clarify. With the Vikings, I don't know who they're going to cut. So we have to kind of cover all the... They're much better shape than the Jets and the Giants uh, roster-wise. Yeah. Vikings fans who are feeling down about that um, should read your work and see all the things that they need. Uh, What do you think of the other quarterbacks? I wrote a little bit about it at our website, scorenorth.com, today, just about the intrigue of the other quarterbacks that are not named Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa, which, of course, in New York, your teams think that they're okay at quarterback, but... Um, we're looking at it here as if we don't really know if Kirk Cousins is going to sign a long-term contract extension, they're, but they're probably not going to take a Jordan Love if he got to 25 or something like that, or a Jacob Eason. The quarterbacks who are in the middle, the Jalen Hurts, I, I, I feel like there's quite a few guys who you could make a case to be really interested in. Yeah, uh, Jordan Love is really interesting to me. I mean, the talk of him going like top six, Top ten is utterly baffling to me. Yeah, but same, same. Like, if you if you if you can get him like day two somewhere and just kind of sit him and stash him and you know if it works out great. Like we got a guy. If it doesn't work out, whatever. We we can kind of move on pretty easily. I think that that's like kind of the sweet spot for a team to get him. But you know, like someone's going to get pushed up, and I I guess it's him this year. But he's got like it, it's like if you. So if you, I saw someone compare to Patrick Mahomes, I think on TV, which is a little bit crazy because even Mahomes in college, like he, he threw his last year, he threw 41 touchdowns and 10 picks. That's not Jordan Love, even if he's not playing in like Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of bad interceptions on there and some interceptions are his fault, but like the physical talent is is undeniable. So I can definitely see a team like falling in love and take him in the first round, like late first round. Maybe you trade back up for him, but. I can't, I, I can't get with the, the whole top 10 talk with love, but he's definitely intriguing. Uh, the Patrick Mahomes comparisons to anyone took me back to my childhood when the next Michael Jordan was always coming. This guy, he's going to be the next Jordan because he shoots a lot of mid-range shots and takes people one-on-one. And, uh, you know, it's weird. It never happened, which it probably won't with Patrick Mahomes either. Um, Charles, always awesome stuff. Uh, before I let you go, I need your hottest quarterback landing spot take. I know you wrote about Jameis Winston and his uh, unsure future, which, you know, when you throw 30 picks, 
people are going to be a little hesitant on you, I think. But do you have a, this guy's going there, and here's why it would be awesome, blazing hot take with quarterback uncertainty this offseason? Oh, man. Uh, put me on the spot. It, okay, is it a hot take at this point to say Tom Brady just goes back to the Patriots? It might be because everybody's pushing so hard for him to go somewhere else because we want madness. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Brady is I am honestly baffled by the amount, like, by the coverage of Brady. And obviously, you know, this is the first time, you know, first time he's hidden free agency, future first time, Hall of Famer, whatever, first ballot. I mean, but the dude did not play all that well last season. So it's weird to me that, you know, We're on a a two-year decline where he's gotten worse and worse, or really even a three-year decline if you want to include, like, 2017 regular season where he was, like, slightly down from his normal standards even though he won MVP. Like, you go 2017, 2018, 2019. 2019 was really bad, uh, not just for his standards, like, just generally a below-average quarterback play. And I don't know, it's just weird that we're hyping this 43-year-old quarterback up who played, like, you know, the 20th best quarterback in the league last year as this guy that's going to come in and save your franchise. You know, I, I think just go back to New England for one more year, see what Belichick can assemble around you, and then just go out in New England. Like, don't end this pooping the bed with another team. Like, no one wants to see that. <laughs> that's right. Uh, we thank Dan Marino for not coming to Minnesota, as he had a chance to do late in his career, because it probably would have gone really awful. And that is the fear. Now, um, I thought earlier, I started the show by saying that Tom Brady to San Francisco is we've jumped the shark on Tom Brady two places. But then, say, Drosenfels early on the show disagreed with me. I, I think once we're putting him on teams that went to the Super Bowl and we're leading in the fourth quarter that we've gone a little too far. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm not buying the 49ers thing at all. I, I, I have a conspiracy theory that his market is not what, it's, what, not what he thought it was going to be or not what his agent thought it was going to be. Uh, and now they're just, you know, floating stuff out to to see what sticks. But I, I just can't imagine that the 49ers who have been, you know, one thing that you can really give John Lynch credit for is they've been so meticulous with their contract structures. I mean, like, it, 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 the only reason why the 49ers can get brought up is because they could feasibly get out of Jimmy DeGrappolo's contract this year if they yeah. wanted to. But I, I don't see why you would do that and then replace him with Brady, who's going to have a pretty big cap hit year one since he's not going to be playing much longer. Uh, that one just makes absolutely no sense to me. Charles, the reason you fit so well on this show as a guest is that you watch offensive line and defensive line tape and send it to your friends, and you recklessly speculate and have conspiracy theories. It's just a perfect fit. So... <laughs> So I always appreciate you coming on. Make sure you follow him at Four Verts, one of the best football follows. He's the senior NFL writer for New York Daily News, which, Charles, still kind of blows my mind, man. Like, you were doing freelance stuff for Football Outsiders when we first started doing this. Yeah, no, and then last week I was getting hammered with coaches, so it's, it's, been, a, it's been quite the ride. <laughs> Good for you, man. All right, well, follow him on Twitter. Four Verts always does great work. We'll talk again soon, Charles. All right, for sure. Thanks for having me. Yep, for sure. That's... uh. Yep, one of my um, favorite guys on Twitter, and to follow his career has been kind of cool. Is uh, somebody that last? Yeah, quote. I didn't expect that, but you know, that last quote's great. It's a good fit. Uh, that's indie for you, except for me. It's drinking doc, uh, diet Pepsi or whatever they have. It's a Pepsi town, which um, you know that's okay. And there are some people who have really strong, and by some people I mean Courtney Cronin, really strong takes on the Pepsi versus Coke 
Diet Dr. Pepper is king for me. That is always in my fridge. And there's another reporter who I won't out here, but fills his backpack with Diet Dr. Pepper when he oh. covers games. So Local reporter? He or? Did, local reporter. Oh, wow. So he doesn't have to do the fountain Diet Pepsi. I think is there that a difference? There is. There is. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the difference. I don't think that diet soda generally tastes great. Um, outside of the Dr. Pepper has a little more of the flavor to it. But, I mean, if if you're doing it, you're not here for, oh, my gosh, this really wows my palate. Thank you. <laughs> you're here for, if I drink the regular stuff, I'll die. Because that's kind of what we are doing as reporters is always going from this place to that place yeah. to that place. And every everyone has soda all the time. And you're usually tired, so you need a a caffeine boost. And if you're not a coffee addict like Judd Zolgad, that's what you end up with. Um, but since I'm so not you're a, saying you're saying diet pop for me because I've dropped pretty much all caffeine over the last two weeks is the way to go. Go diet. Yeah. yeah. The the regular soda, uh, if you drink it intermittently is probably fine for mm-hmm. you. It's like maybe eating an ice cream cone in terms of sugar. But if you have, I don't know what I drink six cans a day or more of diet Dr. Pepper. It is a lot, but the, yeah. if you were doing that with the sugar part of it, you'd be in pretty bad shape. That was me before two weeks ago. So yeah, right. So go, go with the diet. It probably will help you out there. But um, if you have strong takes on diet Coke versus diet Pepsi and you go to the combine, everything is diet Pepsi. So that means when it was midnight in Indy and there's all these NFL people and everything else partying, I'm saying, could I have another Diet Pepsi, please? And everyone looks at me like, really? Like, well. You're here and you're doing that, eh? That's how I'm doing this life. So, yeah, um, it's a little bit uncomfortable. But anyway, uh, let's take a break. We come back. David Newton, who covers the Carolina Panthers, will be our random NFL reporter. Charles does not count as a random NFL nope. reporter. He is a repeat guest and has, uh, has great takes. So we'll talk about the Carolina Panthers and why they aren't more in this conversation about quarterbacks in the draft. When we return, you'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Join Mackie, Judd, and Rami each Wednesday at 5 p.m. for Write That Down. The guys not only make sports predictions but hold each other accountable for them each and every week. For your chance to be a guest picker on Write That Down, enter through listing rewards on your Score North mobile app. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Listen and win with the free Score North mobile app. This month, one lucky winner will win a $200 gift card to Best Buy just for having and using the Score North app. Register your app, listen to your favorite Score North content, and you could be a winner. Sage didn't seem to be a big fan of this move in the first hour, but Peter Schrager of Good Morning Football is all in on Teddy Bridgewater, former Vikings and Saints quarterback, going to another NFC South team. I look at Teddy Bridgewater, who to me is the complete opposite, the polar opposite of Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is this big-armed guy who's going to throw a lot of interceptions. He's going to win you some games, but he's also going to hurt you at times. Teddy might not have the the arm or the cannon of, of Winston, but he just wins games, and it's a lot of ball control, but it's also a lot of leadership. And if I'm Tampa Bay specifically, if Jameis walks out that door, I'm really intrigued by Teddy because what Teddy brings is a maturity, a leadership, and a ability to run your team where you're not going to lose games because of Teddy Bridger. I went 5-0 and last year for the, New, for the New Orleans Saints. And, of course, now everyone's saying, is he a starter? Is he a backup? Is he a top-10 quarterback? I believe Teddy Bridgewater deserves a chance to start in this NFL again, and I think Tampa Bay would actually make a lot of sense if they move on from Jameis. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Now it's time to take you on a journey to a random NFL city 
for a football breakdown you didn't need. Down and dirty, rolling in the mud. That's right, it is that time again. Our football interview you didn't, I should have maybe rewritten it to you didn't know you needed. You're questioning your own writing now? Yeah, I am. I I felt really good about it. And then every time I hear it, when we bring people in, I think they're just going to hang up our guests. Um, But today he uh, covers the Carolina Panthers for ESPN. David Newton, what's going on, David? Yeah, you made me feel so special with that intro. I don't know. I'm I'm in tears. I don't know what to say. Yeah, See, that's what I mean is that it's not meant to hurt your feelings. It's that football fans didn't know they needed it. And then they hear it and they're like, oh, wow, I am super informed on the Carolina Panthers. Great. Thank you. That's that's what I'm going for, David. All right, we'll try to do that then, but uh, I'm not sure your fans really care. All right, okay. Well, I, you know, it's amazing. Um, just uh, We do this show every day, all year round, and people just are insane about football. So let's talk some Carolina Panthers football. Um, are you the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers next year? Uh, no, and I don't think it'll be a guy named Newton either. I, I, I know <laughs> what Joe Brady, I mean, excuse me, or Matt Rule has said, and I'm just not sold that that's the direction they're going to go. Just the way they're rebuilding this team and with with all the pieces they need, it just doesn't make sense to go forward with Cam Newton unless you're going to commit to him beyond the season. I know it could be a prove-it year. I know it could be at a low cap number. But still, I just think Matt Rule and, and the people over at Bank of America State right now are thinking in another direction. So I wouldn't rule it out entirely. Am I right? This has gone horribly. Um Mostly on my end. So, but uh, I I agree with you in the direction. If you're going to rebuild it around a new young coach, then why would you have an older quarterback with the history of injuries that Cam Newton has had? Especially if you could trade him away somewhere else for some extra draft capital to keep beefing up this roster for whatever quarterback you want to have. Um, but but where does Cam stand right now, even with his health? Because the last two years have been marred with injuries. Well, that's the great unknown. I mean, everything seems to be pointing in the direction of him being cleared in March to to at least be able to, to begin off-season workouts. But, but whether it'll be game ready for a trade, game ready for the Panthers, game ready to play for anybody in, in September remains to be seen. I think he's heading that direction, but again, we don't know for sure. And it's hard to trade a player when, when you don't know for sure because nobody's going to go out there and take the chance until they know that guy's going to be kind of the Cam Newton of old. And I just don't think anybody's going to know that, maybe till late May, June, or even later. So um, the Panthers are kind of in a box now where they may not have a choice but to, to keep him on the roster. But I still think they want to go with the younger quarterback, um, even if it's Cam's uh, the veteran that kind of brings him along, although I really can't see that happening. Um, I just don't think Cam's uh, got that DNA in him to do that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I wrote uh, the combine. I could, you know, what it would take for him to get up to get Joe Burrow and reunite Joe Burrow and Joe Brady, the Panthers' offensive coordinator, together. Uh, I don't know if they can get enough ammunition for that. They may have to trade Christian McCaffrey to, to get enough draft picks to do that. But, um, it, you know, that would be an ideal setup for him because, you know, Joe Burrow and Joe Brady was such a dynamic candle last year for LSU. Maybe if they agreed to build Cincinnati a new practice facility. Everyone brings that up, that they practice under a bridge. So maybe that could be a contingent of a deal. Well, I was going to ask you about the quarterbacks, because I I look at 
tons of mocks. Why wouldn't you? And we love to have fun breaking them down sometimes on the show. I have not seen a single mock that puts a quarterback to the Carolina Panthers at seven. Do you see that as a realistic possibility? Well, I think mainly because the, the top three quarterbacks are being uh, projected to go before they get to Carolina. I mean, Joe Burrow and and Tua and and even um, I forget Justin Herbert. So mm-hmm. uh, whether they're, you know, if one of those is there, I think there's going to be a great temptation for the Panthers if they stay at seven to take that player. But they have so many needs on this team. I mean, they've got to really be sold on that quarterback being the guy that they think can lead them into the future if they take them. And, uh, you know, the players I like the best, I mean, as far as guys that can make an immediate impact, be there for a long time, and be every down players would be Isaiah Simmons, the linebacker out of Clemson. Mm-hmm. You know, they lost, uh, you know, they lost Luke Keekley. He retired. Uh, he's the guy that could come in there and, and play every down right from the start. And I think that would really make that defense better. Um, and then there's a couple of defensive tackles out there. Derek Brown out of Auburn, I think, if you put him next to uh, Kwan Short at defensive tackle, you've got a, you know probably one of the top five or so duos in the NFL uh, in the middle of your defense. So they, they're going to have some good options there. I mean, they, who knows? Even they can go to the Ohio State quarterback Jeff Akuda because mm-hmm. it looks like James Bradbury is going to be moving on too. So I, I don't. The Panthers have so many needs right now. But I don't think they could really go wrong at number seven if they stay there with whoever they take. Talking with David Newton, he is the ESPN NFL Nation reporter, covers the Carolina Panthers. What has been your impression of Matt Rule? Because, you know, we see it every once in a while in the NFL. Hot college coach comes in and he's got a lot to say. He's going to do this, he's going to do that. He's so innovative and so forth. And then you get humbled pretty quickly sometimes. But he is a really uh, interesting guy for what he was able to do with the college offense and so forth. I mean, what what is the early impression of Matt Rule in Carolina? Well, don't forget, Jimmy Johnson, I think, won one game in his first season with the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, that's he, true. Two years later, he won two straight Super Bowls. So when you're rebuilding a team, it takes time. And I, I think their situation is a lot like Dallas was back then. Uh, Dallas really built that team out of draft picks, and I think that's what the plan is to do here. They do have free agency now, which makes it probably easier to turn things around a little quicker, which they, I don't really didn't have a free agency you know, the way they have it now back when Jimmy was at the uh, Dallas Cowboys. But uh, I, I really have liked what Matt Rule said. He speaks a good game. Um, he's done you know, everybody that I've talked to really believes in him. I think he's one of the most dynamic young guys in the league. It's going to make a, a really good impact and great at turnaround programs. But again, it's just not that easy. It's hard to win in the NFL, as you know. And, um, he's coming into a brand new situation with very little experience on his staff as far as NFL experience. Uh, so it, it's going to be very interesting to watch. I think and go back to what he had at Temple when he rebuilt there. You go back to, when he rebuilt Baylor, I think they won what one game each of those first two seasons at those schools. So, I, my guess is they're going to take some lumps this year because uh, they're just not going to be good enough to really stay in games with teams and with all they all they're having to do to rebuild this team. What is the viewpoint, David, on Christian McCaffrey? Because here there is a pending Delvin Cook contract extension. I know it's a little bit different because Cook was a second round pick and McCaffrey was a first rounder, but uh, the paying running back thing. These are two guys who both impact the passing game. McCaffrey a little bit more than Delvin Cook, but it's a huge part of their value. But a lot of the numbers people will tell you if you're investing that much in running backs, you're putting your life in your hands a little bit because of how long they last. And McCaffrey's touching the ball every other play there in Carolina. That's not likely to change. Is Do you think that they 
will sign him to a long-term contract extension. He'll be there for a long time. And how might that play out if they do? I mean, I think ideally you do because if you look at what Matt Rule does, if you look at what Joe Brady, your offensive coordinator, wants to do, Christian McCaffrey fits perfectly into that, but he fit perfectly into whatever any, any team wanted to do. He's, to me, maybe the best all-purpose back in the league right now. I mean, everybody looks at him as, you know, a guy can come out of the backfield receiver. He's pretty good at running up the middle as well. Um, he didn't get to, what, a thousand, thousand, you know, third player in NFL history because he can't do a lot of, a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's ideal for what they would do. I think he's the face of the franchise now because I think Cam with the injuries and not playing much the last couple of years, that's kind of gone away a little bit. So I think it'd be hard to, to move on without him. But again, you look at running backs and their lifespan is not great. They, yep. the, the, the market having to pay them what they would have to be paid. Uh, with this deal is going to be really uh, detrimental as far as building the rest of the roster around that. So it's a tough decision. Um, but my gut says they'll, they'll keep him, they'll get him signed to a long-term deal, and, and then it'll move forward and try to build around him. Yeah, I think the same thing happens with Delvin Cook. Uh, a lot of Tim Biakabatukas out there, though, David, with short careers, right? The guys that were hot for a little bit. And uh, Wow, yeah. you really delved out. <laughs> my, I was here when Tim Biakabatuka came. I mean, I uh, he was actually my son's favorite player when he uh, was drafted that year. So, uh, anyway, he he was a guy that had not been for injuries. I think he could have had a really good career. Uh, but, again, that that's the risk you take with running backs. One injury and then all that money's kind of gone for naught. Well, I played a lot of Madden with your Tim Biakabatuka and Moose and Muhammad and, uh, you know, those sort of teams with the old Carolina Panthers. And and even the, the original Panthers, I believe Frank Reich was the starting coach maybe. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Uh, starting quarterback. That's that's right. He was a starting quarterback for the first game, was it, or something like that? Yeah, then, hey, I mean, Kerry Collins took over, and then that <laughs> became a mess. And uh, I mean, Kerry actually got him to the NFC Championship in their second season, so you can't fault him for that. But then he had some off the field problems that caused yeah, a few right. issues. But they, uh, yeah, I mean they they were they they came from nowhere to to somewhere really fast in the beginning of this franchise. I mean, and they've been to two Super Bowls. There are a lot of teams in their first 25 or so years would have loved to had a couple of trips to the Super Bowl. So, um again, but it's it's hard to believe that what 4 years ago this team was won 15 games during the regular season and they made it to the Super Bowl and a few you know fumbles uh, by Cam Newton that were turning the touchdowns, you know, led them to a loss there. But this team really went downhill fast. And, again, injuries and some poor drafts and things all contributed to that. Well, that's what we've been talking about a lot here, David, with the Vikings is, you know, you could be up and feel like you're on top of the world and make moves that way. And then just as quickly things can turn around, you go the opposite direction and have to uh, rebuild. So it will be interesting to see um, who they bring in, what uh, journeyman backup quarterbacks maybe end up uh, playing in Carolina of guys like Frank Reich or Jake DeLome once upon a time. Uh, Last thing for you. Uh, what was the interesting nugget that you got in Indianapolis? Like the most interesting random thing that you gathered? Because I'll tell you mine while you think of it is I ran into a special teams coach that said that they're considering what the XFL has done on kickoffs. I'm like, oh, well, I can't really do a whole lot with that, but that's cool. Like I'd like to see it come back that we used to have these great kickoff returners and so forth. So was there anything that you ran into in Indy that you thought, huh, I didn't expect to hear that here? Well, I mean, I ran into a lot of random things, but that was mostly late at night and uh, <laughs> establishments where I probably uh, should have been late at night. But uh, <laughs> as far as players, 
as far as players, I mean, a lot of twists there. I I was kind of blown away by Simmons. It wasn't a random thing, but the fact that he ran a what four three nine forty, which is like a running back or a, you know or, or wide receiver speed. I mean that that wasn't random. That was just pure raw talent. I I wasn't expecting him to go that fast. Uh, so that that kind of blew me away of, of all the things I saw. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, offensive linemen running four eights and four nines doesn't usually happen either. So uh, anyway, David, this was worth it. People are going to walk away and say, you know what? I didn't know I needed that. So good job, and it was glad to have you on. Uh, I hope we can do it again soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. I feel fulfilled now. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Thanks, David. Appreciate it, guys. <laughs> Uh, D Newton ESPN is uh, David Newton on Twitter. Every time, um, I'm glad that Jonathan they they get it. They get the bit. Yeah, I think because um, the sounder makes it seem very condescending. Yeah, like yeah, you didn't need this, but here's a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, here's a guy. Uh, Judd Zolgas. Oh hey, what's up? What's up, Judd? Not um, much. What's going on? Hey guys. So David Newton, the headline off of that interview that people didn't know that they needed is that he's not buying that Cam Newton will be the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I guess my first question is, what do we know about Cam's health at this point? He said not much. Okay, because to me that, you know, Cam Newton um, could have a second act in his career or Cam Newton could be cooked. And if Cam Newton, with the beating that he's taken through the years, is cooked, then it makes perfect sense that the Carolina Panthers and their doctors would be like, it's time to move on, and Cam Newton might be done playing. Uh, But, you know, I think when you make the change, Matthew, the Carolina Panthers are making, as far as coaching and staff goes, after all these years of Ron Rivera, you often do move on. Yeah. So, So if that's what an insider with the Panthers is saying... It makes perfect sense. You also just can't win if you're that team right now. You don't really have receivers. You don't really have an offensive line. They're shopping Trey Turner, who's a really good guard for them. So your offensive line is garbage. Your defense has a lot of holes in it, and your top cornerback is going to hit the market and make $15 million. James Bradbury, they're a bit of a mess. So if you bring back Cam and he plays really well, what do you win? Like eight games, maybe? Is that worth it? And does he just get hurt again, too, if your offensive line, to your point's garbage? Yeah. Probably because he's at a point now where I don't think I don't think he can take the beating he used to take and hang in there anymore. Yeah, I agree. So if you're another team, I mean, what would compel you though to get a quarterback like that who has been beat up and Carolina is going to want trade assets from you, even if it's a second or third round pick? I'm sure they're going to want something to trade away their franchise quarterback. What team would even be interested? This is the problem you run into with Jameis Winston to a lot of extent. Is right. Yeah, they want to get rid of him, but what team wants a guy who threw 30 interceptions and also has a 50-50 shot of getting arrested or bringing upon some serious embarrassment to your franchise? With Cam Newton, he doesn't have that issue, of course, but he does have the fact that he still thinks he's Cam Newton, and he might not be. So if you trade for him and he wants to be the face of your franchise, mm-hmm. but he has to play more of a role, more of a game manager or something, how do you convince Cam Newton to be that? You'd have to really go all in on him as the Panthers did. So I just can't see there being a ton you know of what? interest. Let's work this backwards with this question. Of the quarterbacks who are going to be out there, who you would be taking a chance on. So I'm going to assume that 
Brady's going to play somewhere and be Brady. He might not be the 35-year-old Brady, but he's still going to be good. But let's let's reverse engineer this from the Cam Newtons, the Jameis Winstons, the uh, Nick Foles potentially, the guys who you would the Nick Foles is Foles, yeah, the guy, but the guys that you'd be rolling the dice on in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, if my doctors could get a look at Cam Newton and come back and tell me, you know what, this is not bad. This yeah. is pretty good. I'm a lot more interested in taking the flyer on Cam than I am on a guy like Jameis, who I don't trust one sure, bit. Of course, Cam the, has done it before. He's won an MVP. And the other guy that I'm largely out on, Philip Rivers, who I think should probably retire. Yeah. So if this is just a question of I'm sort of I'm sort of taking a chance here. So who am I going to take a chance on? Okay. Well, let's go through these teams though that might need quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. The Miami Dolphins are going to draft someone. I feel like that's a foregone conclusion. If they don't, then they're tanking for Trevor, and they're going to try harder to lose next year. Yes. Right? I mean... I think they'll draft someone. Which I I wouldn't even hate if they didn't draft someone and continue to kick the ball down the road a little with Fitzpatrick and try to win, you know, three games or something. Um, Or see if Rosen can do it. I don't even hate it, because Trevor Lawrence is there next year. Justin Fields will be there next year. I think you're right. I I think they draft Herbert, and it screws up their franchise for a while. But they're on the the table. Mm -hmm. The New England Patriots, if they lose, Tom Brady are on the table here. Do they take someone like Cam? I just can't make that work in my head, that match. No, I don't think so. Belichick and Cam? Yeah, I don't don't think so. No. The Cincinnati Bengals will be drafting a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Chicago Bears might be a, a fit for Cam, but... If he, I mean, but then are you totally done with Trubisky? No, but that might be the one. That might be a one to try. Yeah. Now, if I'm the Bears, I go Teddy personally because I think that marriage really works out well. Yeah. I don't think the Bears are that smart. That the Cam one, I don't know that I love that personally. That strikes me as a Bears move, though. Indianapolis, it just feels like Philip Rivers is going there. That's a great situation, and Rivers probably wants one more shot. That's a division you could possibly win. I think Tennessee ultimately ends up, if they don't get Tom Brady, they go with uh, Ryan Tannehill again on a franchise tag. Past that, I mean, there just aren't that many other spots. Los Angeles makes a lot of sense to me because of the glitz and glam that it would fit with Cam Newton. Yep. They would also be smart to draft a quarterback potentially there and play Tyrod Taylor with whoever as their backup, like Jordan Love or someone like that who needs to sit and that's about it. If if Brady doesn't go to Gruden and the Raiders, do they make a change? They're under no pressure to if they don't want to. Uh, that's a hard one because I don't think Derek Carr played that badly last year, and they were not a horrendous team. Derek Carr is just like a poor man's Kirk Cousins. He does not have the downfield accuracy of Cousins, but he is a, a short thrower who does things that sometimes make your brain explode because you can't figure out what in the world he was thinking. We saw that at U.S. Bank Stadium, where he dropped back, had no pressure, and just threw it to no one, and it was intercepted. Right. Like, yep, you'll see that sometimes from Derek Carr. But he did win 12 games once on a really good team. It's hard to figure out what the relationship with him and Gruden is like because Gruden always wants his guy. Gruden always thinks he's a genius so he can get the next guy. But he's not wrong in thinking Derek Carr is average. I don't think that they have to, though. That they can be a competitive team. That they can be... It's who's in second place in the AFC West compared to Kansas City. So who's going to be in second place? It's going to be Denver, Los Angeles, Oakland. You can make it a case for all three. Mm-hmm. They have the guy that they drafted last year, the first-round safety or second-round safety who's really good that got hurt, 
And so they've been drafting for a while. You could see the Raiders having a decent situation. They could spend some money uh, in free agency and try to build a good team around Carr. They don't have to. So it's not like, oh, no, they have to get Cam Newton to right. go to Vegas because they have right. no other option. They're not their, desperate. Their option probably gets you as many wins as Cam Newton, this version of him. I like the Bears and Chargers from the teams that you gave me. Those make the most The Chargers makes a lot of sense. Most sense. The Bears is a tough one. Well, what are the Bears doing? They're supposedly going to bring in a veteran quarterback to challenge Trubisky, which means that, some, that? Which means that somebody Mariota? in the building, that means somebody at Hallis Hall has basically said, this guy stinks. But Ryan Pace is holding on for dear life, saying, well, I drafted him, and we got to give him another chance, right? If you bring in Andy Dalton, Dalton's your starter, isn't he? And he's been rumored to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, does that? how much farther does that get? The Bears are a weird team. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Bears are passing Forever. up the Khalil, <laughs> but I feel like they're sort of now flushing the Khalil Mack uh, situation right down the toilet, don't you? This is how much of a quarterback, if you draft him at the top and they go kaput, can ruin your franchise because yeah. if Trubisky was really good, if he turned out to be, let's say he was Carson Wentz good, not the best quarterback in the league, but you know, darn good. They might've reached the Super Bowl two years ago. Their team was that good on defense last year. They're definitely in the playoffs. We, even with Trubisky slash chase Daniel, they won eight games. Mm-hmm. They're winning 10, 11, 12 without Trubisky. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And you're right that, they must feel there, especially their general manager, Ryan Pace. They, he must feel like it's wasting away. And one of the things that I heard in Chicago was that Nagy is out on Trubisky, that he just doesn't believe in him. He'd love to bring in somebody else. And there's your power struggle. And someone who is good at getting rid of the ball quick, Andy Dalton, who could get it to playmakers. I think that that's what Matt Nagy wants. Giving Putting Cam Newton there, that's the one thing is – is Matt Nagy going to be okay with that? Because I think he wants it to be his franchise. He's one of those, yeah. I dial up the offense and I'm the genius. And Here's a question else. about the Bears. Who do you trust there? I don't know I trust anybody. I don't trust the quarterback. I don't trust the GM. And I'm not sure I trust Matt Nagy. I don't trust Matt Nagy because I think he might be a psycho. <laughs> like The stuff with the kickers was so weird that I, I just, let me back off a little bit mm-hmm. of thinking this guy's a, a, a brilliant coach. But I also look at what Trubisky did when things dropped off a little bit for him, offensive line and weapons-wise and running game-wise, and how horrible he was, and think, all right, I'm not sold on Nagy, but this guy also can't play quarterback. So I'm not sure I can say, whereas I would have more confidence saying I don't think Matt Patricia's a good coach. I can't say for 100% certain I don't think Nagy knows what he's doing. He got a lot out of Trubisky that first year, then things dipped a little and it was much more of a struggle. I would like to see him with an average quarterback and see, are you Kubiaking where you get a little bit more out of an average quarterback and all of a sudden you're really competitive, or are you getting just the same amount? Are you DeFilippoing and getting the right. same amount as what's there, what which if means he's not making the playoffs? Which, which is actually a good personnel guy, but not that good a coach. It's very possible. Because Trubisky's yeah. not his guy. He yeah. didn't draft Trubisky. Yeah. I, what if he has an eye for talent, but getting the most from that talent is not his strength. That that could be it, or that Trubisky has just made him look bad. <laughs> I mean, that, that yes, that's what I'm saying. Who do you trust? Yeah, that could be it. I, if you're giving me the who do I trust? Their general manager that passed up on Watson and Mahomes, their coach who did win Coach of the Year, or their quarterback who can't throw left. I have to take Matt Nagy of the three, but I don't trust any of them. Cam there though makes it so everything Chicago Bears is about Cam. 
as soon as that happens. True. If it's Dalton, it remains everything is about how much you coach did him you up say Dalton? and how good the defense. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> and if you get that reference, then you follow <laughs> us on Twitter. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> tomorrow we'll have no Alex Boone because he's trying to go back to the NFL, which is fun. Yep. Um, but we will have Mike Renner and Jeff Rieger to talk a little Lions, talk a little NFL draft, and I might have an article tomorrow that's a little interesting for you and I to talk. So we'll uh, we'll carry on then on Purple Daily. Thanks for listening, Mac and Joe with Rami next.